and we are live with episode 30 of living the guide life and today this episode is brought to you by chasing foul outfitters out in mankato minnesota where they are there to show you how to kill birds and give you the full experience that you need when you're coming to minnesota to shoot those big honkers so make sure to get a hold of them and uh today we have barton ramsey on of southern oak kennels and cornerstone gun dogs and we just really are about to dig into a lot of good stuff about how to choose different litters of dogs how they do it for you and the difference between some trials the uk versus the united states um what their thought processes on some certain training tactics are and just a bunch of all around good stuff about their dogs training dogs and bringing up a dog in an emotional environment in an emotional um job i mean it's you're bringing somebody's family member to them and you're giving them that special gift so it's really neat to hear about that and you guys will really enjoy this one and we are live with living the guide life episode 30 with barton ramsey and he is the owner founder of southern oak kennels and founder and partner of Cornerstone Gun Dogs down in Mississippi. And Barton, how are we doing? Doing great, man. Thanks for having me on. I appreciate it. Yeah, I was uh, I was down in Texas um, a couple weeks ago, and I was talking to Toby Brolin. He said it'd be really cool to hear your story. Um, he said a lot of good things about you, so I wanted to try to get you on. Awesome. Yeah, that dude's awesome. We, uh, we connected just really this season hearing a little bit about his story and realizing there were some significant areas of overlap and uh yeah yeah i'm I'm happy to chat with you absolutely so i kind of want to hear your story on how it all started in southern oak kennels got really going and you know how you made it to what it is yeah uh i got started through i guess not the path you would expect um (laughs) I wasn't into hunting or gun dogs per se, or um, really anything that has to do with the outdoor industry. I was more into music and uh, you know metal specifically, and then yeah. motorcycles and um, yeah, none of it. And I was I was actually working at a church in Mississippi in I want to say 2009. A guy from our church named Kelly Harmon asked if I wanted to go on a duck hunt. And I was like, sure. You know, I've never done that. Uh, I, I'm going to need to borrow some stuff, I guess. So he took me to get me a set of waders and a uh, hunting license um, and let me borrow his gun and took me to one of his spots that he likes to hunt. And, uh, yeah, it was, it was an interesting start. That was my first duck hunt. I shot one uh, diver duck. Yeah, and it was uh, like looking back, it was like an utter disappointment of a hunt. But for me, it was super fun. <laughs> and I had a Springer Spaniel at the time, just by chance. She was a field field bred Springer that um, 
you know, I, I had raised and I mean, she'd never retrieved anything except for sticks and frisbees and stuff. Yeah. So I went back home and I was like, man, I think my dog would, would enjoy this. So I kind of threw the duck a few times. My dog was all about it. And next time he invited me, I said, sure, but I'd love to bring my, my dog. And he was cool with it. Looking back, that's a very poor decision. I mean, she'd never been introduced <laughs> to gunfire. I mean, there's like all these reasons to not take it. I think she was six or seven years old to not take that dog on her first duck hunt. But I didn't get any better at all. And it worked out. She did great and uh, sort of started this obsession with uh, chasing waterfowl, especially so you can, you know, send your dog to retrieve them. Yeah. And uh, yeah, that was about 12 years ago, 13 years ago now. Wow. Yeah, that's uh, that's awesome. Once you once you shoot your first duck, you just something about it just gets addicting. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Like, uh, yeah, I don't know what it is, but and then Southern Oak Kennels, and then you just started going from there. Yeah. So you know, I had Springers, and I met this guy um, through my second Springer Spaniel who became a mentor to me. And he was sort of walking me through dog training and, and you know, teaching me the ropes. And um, I really just hired him to train my second Springer, but uh, we became buddies and, and he was uh, sort of like a second dad to me. And he had Labradors and I had honestly never really been a fan of Labradors. My experience with them was always, they were kind of loud and obnoxious and jumped all over you and mm -hmm. slobbered everywhere and kind of like a bull in a china shop sort of dog. <laughs> and he had these Labradors that were a little smaller. They had a lot of drive in the field, uh, but they were calm and they were quiet. And I was crazy about them. And I said, man, if, if, if you ever, <clears throat> he had a couple different females and a, and a stud dog that he had brought over from uh, the UK hmm. and he introduced me to those dogs and every day we, when we would finish training Springers he would say hey do you mind throwing some birds for my labs and I was like sure I, I love watching those dogs and finally just said hey look if you ever get to the point where you're you know you, you breed any of these like this group right here I would love a couple puppies to kind of get going with so that worked out I took a few pups um, I started training dogs for my mentor just he would you know say hey look i've got these three youngsters they need obedience basic gun dog and i would go check in with him like every week to make sure i was you know doing what he wanted me to do yeah and uh and then i got these labradors and i was like hey i'm just going to give it a go i'm going to train them and uh and sell them as started dogs just you know extra income way to sort of justify the hobby um this is right when uh Bethany, my wife and I, were, we just had our first child. Okay. So, you know, to like leave the house and go play with dogs outside with a newborn at home when we were in our early 20s was not like, oh yeah, sure, go ahead. <laughs> so I was like, well, maybe if it, maybe if it makes like a little bit of money, that'd be, you know, she'd be cool with it. Yeah. So it was literally just sort of side gig, side hustle, like a hobby that I love to do. And honestly, man, it was that from 2000, um, that was 2000, early 2011, um, all the way through, and it was a hobby until it just got too big to be a hobby anymore. Yeah. I want to say that was really 2015, 16 is when I was like, okay, you know, something's got to give because the hobby is, is taking over your whole <laughs> life. So it was five years or so of just sort of doing it as for fun, you know, building some cool relationships, training, 
and in, uh, you know, I learned importing dogs from the UK. Yeah. Went over there a few times, and um, you know, I, I definitely have a, a bit of a go big or go home mentality that can be a blessing and a curse. <laughs> and um, you know, I was a I was a youth minister slash discipleship pastor at a church during all that time. Okay. So I just happened to have a job that allowed me freedom. Uh, during the week and, and on the weekends to train my dogs and to grow a business. Yeah, absolutely. And you're talking about the UK, so is that where your dog bloodlines are from? Yes, all of our dogs are imported from the UK or bred by us um, from our UK lines. And okay. I didn't get into like the, you know, a lot of people get really big into the UK versus US bloodlines. And I'm, I'm definitely not that guy. I, I appreciate a lot of what um, United States offers with filbred Labradors. Yeah. It just wasn't like, you know, if your first truck is a Chevy and your second truck is a Chevy and then eventually you're just the guy that always drives Chevys. Yeah. Um, you know, which I, that actually was me for a while and I swapped a Ford. <laughs> but uh, it was like that kind of deal. Like this was my introduction to the gun dog world and I fell in love with this type of dog and I think for what we do as a kennel, um, our UK lines provide like the best shot at giving our clients what they need in a gun dog. Um, and that's not to say anything negative about American dogs at all or what those guys do. It's just not, you know, everybody kind of has their niche and this is ours. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. And uh, have you ran dogs over in the UK? No, uh, there's very few people who have actually done that. Uh, one of them is a good friend of mine who's in Wichita named Noah. And it's not easy. I mean, you've got to have um, – I mean, his, he's got a cool situation with his employer um, to be able to go over there and do that. But you would essentially have to give up being with your family, a massive amount of finances to support living in the UK. You yeah. wouldn't be able to make any money um, while doing it over there, really. And uh, you have to join – dozens of retriever clubs to try to get a run in a few trials really the odds are stacked against you to even be able to do it yeah uh, but noah did it and, and uh he he trains dogs with us quite a bit he he made it to the third day of their national championship which is stinking awesome wow i think he might be the only american handler to ever qualify for it um much less make it to the last day um i've been over there and i've been to dozens of field trials um i've made some great relationships that have allowed me to you know they their field trials are very different than ours but um yeah i've been able to go on the line and, and be what's called a game carrier so essentially you've got a big like vest on that holds a bunch of birds and as the dogs bring the birds back the judges kind of examine those birds and then handle the use so you're able to be kind of up front in the action watch the dogs run and figure out you know which ones do i like which ones i'm not a big fan of and, and all that sort of stuff yeah. And I heard, um, I don't know if this is true or not, but I heard it's a lot of invite only over there to those field trials. Yeah, it can be. Um, you know, nowadays, and this is a subject that I'm pretty passionate about for us in America, but over there, you know, the gun laws are far stricter. Yeah. The amount of people who are against um, shooting sports uh, is, is a, it's a large group. Um, the amount of people who still participate in shooting sports. And let me clarify, their field trials are an actual day's hunt, but it's a UK style hunt. So they're not going up, you know, and just, they're not going out and setting up three marks and a couple blinds yeah. and letting everyone, they're actually going out in the field shooting birds like it's a regular hunt. The difference is you, you're really emphasizing the dog work. Okay. So that's such a uh, hot 
topic, you know, hot button issue over in the UK that, you know, if you just call up and say, hey, I want to come to your field trial, I think the immediate assumption for most people is that you're you're an anti-hunter and you're trying to get in to cause some sort of disturbance. Uh. So um, we took like our most of our team over for the International Gun Dog League Championship, which is sort of their retriever Super Bowl, if you will. Yeah. Um, in 2018 and man we had to go through if i hadn't been over there three or four times before that and made the friendships that i had made there's no way we would have even gotten in um it was just uh a lot of hey you got to know people you got to you know you got to be be who you say you are they need to trust that you're not gonna you know take a bunch of videos and send them to PETA and all that stuff so yeah yeah it's it's a it's a it's a it's a tradition over there shooting sports there's a lot more tradition involved than there is here you know i think here there's still there are definitely people that are like into you know wearing wax cotton and flannel and like mm-hmm. hunting with uh sub-gauge guns and you know stuff that's like feels more traditional and is more traditional over there it's all about tradition and yeah. carrying on um this you know for centuries they've been shooting pheasants and ducks and rabbits and all that with shotguns on estates and using dogs to do it so that that sort of tradition is uh is upheld by certain parts of culture but it's definitely uh, opposed by large parts of culture over there and uh you're starting to see a lot more of that here and um you know that's something that we're, we're pretty strong on on speaking out about fighting up against and, and doing it in the right way in a way that you know preserves the the heritage of, of chasing waterfowl and upland birds for our kids anyway yeah absolutely and do you do any upland hunting yourself? Yeah, I, I, it's not my like primary thing, but it's more of the, uh, you know, last year I was in Nebraska, we had a couple good goose shoots, and then um, a buddy of mine out in Nebraska was like, hey, you want to go on a pheasant hunt? And he's got a bunch of, you know, just field, Milo fields all around his house in Nebraska, and we went out and chased pheasants for a few hours, and it, it was fun. Yeah. Um, I was into it big time at the beginning because I had Springer Spaniels, and that's really where they sort of excel. Yeah, um, isn't uh, on pheasants. Now it's more of just hey, if I get a chance to go let my dogs walk at heel and retrieve a few more birds for these folks, then I'm, I'm happy to do it. Absolutely. Um, yeah. Yeah, here you're coming from. Um, and yeah, for like the AKC testing and stuff like that um, in America. Um, and like all the field trial hunts and stuff like that. Um, how do you feel about those? I have mixed, mixed feelings. So there are really a handful of like recognized um, arenas or venues to, to prove a dog in the US. So you have AKC, that's the, the well-known, you know, they do both field trials and hunt tests. Yeah. So um, field trials are, uh, Almost, in, they're entirely different from hunting and hunt tests. I mean, it's a, it's a sport in and of itself. Yeah. If you realize that, then that's that's awesome. You know what I mean? Like that's super cool. Um, what they get those dogs to do is, is insane, and I'm always amazed at some of the, the levels of training that they achieve with those dogs. Uh, it is not, I feel like, an evaluation for um, you know a gun dog. There, there's so many. In fact, I would say a majority, I would guess a majority of the most successful AKC field trial dogs are not duck hunting dogs. Um, Some might duck hunt, but there are a lot that I know of that just don't ever see the duck blind. Um, 
Then there's hunt tests. AKC offers those, and the UKC offers those through a program called Hunt Retriever Club. Uh, and then there's a couple other ones that are around there that are popular in, in different geographical regions. Those are the two biggest ones. Mm. And I appreciate those. Actually, I mean, I'll, I'll go run them every once in a while for fun. We don't like to post a lot about it. Um, my guys that train for me, Wally's, I mean, he's probably 50 yards behind me in our backfield right here working dogs right now. Uh, Corey, Miles, a lot of our guys uh, perish that work for Southern Oak Kennels, and we can get to that in a little bit. You know, we have, we have multiple locations as a kennel. Yeah. Um, most of our guys run HRC hunt tests, uh, especially when clients want to do it. Okay. So we're not opposed to them at all. I mean, we have a, a stud, two stud dogs who are HRCH, three, three stud dogs now who are HRCH dogs. Okay. Uh, I think we have 10, 12 bitches that are titled in, in either HR, HRCH. My thing is this. Um, Two years ago, I was going to New Zealand uh, to do some retriever training seminars, and the day before I went, I ran an HRC test with uh, two of my dogs. And I ran a finish test. It was their first time to ever see it, and uh, it was super fun. I had a really fun time. Uh, they ran really well. We got two ribbons. I saw some stellar dog work, like some really nice dogs. Yeah. I also saw a handful of dogs that passed the test that I personally just wouldn't own. Yeah. Um, they were rambunctious and noisy at the line. Uh, they were very, or they were very slow going out and coming back. Like just didn't show any drive. Mm -hmm. Uh, their heel work and obedience work was just really, you know, it was kind of awful. Uh, yeah. I actually got reprimanded by the judges because when I got done running Bruno, the judge was like, hey, you know, thank you. You know, I was on the honor bucket and he was like, you can put your lead on your dog and, you know, leave essentially. You're yeah. done. And I just walked off and he was like, hey, you need you to put your lead on your dog. And I was like, shoot, I, you know, I forgot my slip lead at the truck. And the judge was like, well, how did you get through the holding blinds? And I just said, I. I told him to heal. <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> my dog's obedient. I don't know. Anyway, there were, there were a lot of dogs I saw that could run three marks, you know, triple on a nice blind, but they couldn't sit still long enough to get through a holding blind. And like, that's not the kind of dog that I want or want to produce. Yeah. So it's tough for me because there's not an avenue over here that evaluates dogs to where I can say, okay, if a dog has done that, then I trust that they're the kind of dog that I want. Um, the things that those tests evaluate, and there's even some other, like the SRS, like dogs that, that win the SRS crown are just unbelievably talented, not just in field trial level marks and blinds, but in duck hunting level proficiency. Um, but that doesn't necessarily mean they're the kind of dog that you want in your house the other 300 days of the year. Yeah. And so that's why I sort of gravitate toward UK style trialing. I'm working with some people to try to get a system of, of evaluating dogs in the US that resembles UK style uh, field trials. It's just different because we do, it's, it's tough because we do everything so differently. Yeah. Um, but yeah, so I have an appreciation for the dogs that run and the trainers that train for tests and trials. Um, but it's it's not like necessarily my favorite gig. Yeah, it's not something for you. No, I'm, I'm I mean, again, I'm not against it. I'm just, yeah. I'm a duck hunter. Yeah, know? exactly. <laughs> exactly. I don't blame you on that. And uh, I want to dig into your Cornerstone Gundog Academy a little bit on how that all started up. Yeah. So 
it was super cool, man. It, it was this weird progression of, I made friends with a father and son team over in Alabama through, uh, actually through an attempt to have British gun dog trials in the US. Like the British Field Trial Society of America is what it's called. Yeah. And it was kind of a flop. Um, but I made friends with these guys yeah. and um, I, would, I, I, had, I mean, the, the, one of the coolest things in my job is the like random relationships that I get to make. And I look around now and I'm like, I have all these friends that I never would have had if I had not been for dogs. Mm-hmm. And these two guys, um, I was friends with them and they had sort of gotten all in on um, every single training resource they could find. So DVDs, books, you know, online, YouTube, everything, just trying to evaluate like what's the best way to do this. And they kept writing down their thoughts on each one and they were like, man, every one of them has these these holes that we would like to see filled. And so they set out on like a journey to kind of do it themselves and create uh, a training platform that filled the holes that they felt like they were missing out on. Well, a little while into it, they got to where they, they recognized they needed some help with the video side of it and they contacted me told me what they were wanting to do and I was like man I'm I'm 100% down I think that's great yeah um and I had been friends with Aaron Hitchens who at that point in time was working with Rockhouse Motion and he and I had talked about possibly developing an app to just sort of guide retriever owners through what it means to own a gun dog and so I was like hey if I'm going to be involved I feel like I need to bring in my buddy Aaron and they were cool with that so um, the Parvins, Josh and Keith Parvin, and then Rockhouse Motion and myself, we all partnered up and uh, created what we think is a super accessible, very thorough training resource, not for hunt, test, or field trials, but for gun dogs. Yeah. I um, mean, there's a reason that we call it Gun Dog Academy. Um, and essentially, man, it's for like the first time guy or the guy that hadn't trained a dog in a long time. Or maybe the guy that like was a little nervous about dog training because the way he learned it or saw it involved a massive amount of pressure. Um, it's just sort of us saying, hey, it doesn't have to be that. Um, we can walk you through, you know, the steps you need from the day you bring your puppy home until, you know, the day you feel like you have a finished retriever out in the field. And uh, yeah, it was super fun to do. We built it in 2016, launched it in seven. We've really been like adding to it ever since. So it's a, it's a constant growing. That's what's cool is it's not a DVD. So yeah, we don't have to like you know resubmit DVDs to everybody. It's all online. So we just drop stuff in people's library and say, here you go. You know, we think this is a better version of this drill, or we think this is a drill that maybe you guys have been missing that would be helpful. Um, and yeah, it's great, man. It's fun. It's to, to my knowledge, it's the the first fully online training program um which you know we have an app and you can go out and my thing was like i'd watch a dvd and be like well that's a cool drill and then i go out in the field and say how did i do that i don't remember this this is going back to like 2009 10 when i was just getting into this and so i was like i'd rather be able to just watch this on my phone and uh have it not just on like youtube where i have to search for it but like in a category where i can go right to it and click that I did it and it's going to go and show in my notes that I've accomplished this drill onto the next one sort of thing. Yeah, absolutely. That's that's a really great idea. I mean, because, yeah, like you are saying, if you go watch it inside and then forget a 
specific piece to that drill and then totally forget about it when you have it you can just have it right on your phone you can look at it while you're doing the drill i think it's a great great tool yeah man it's it's been fun for us and uh and and what's cool is we've seen a lot of people go from you know i have no idea what i'm doing to and this isn't just like us seeing it but it's in like sending us emails every week like man i had no idea what i was doing but yeah. this thing has taught me what i need to know and, and i just had my first time with my dog and she crushed it and just thank you guys you know and uh that's been that's a super rewarding thing because i remember what that felt like you know i remember taking the dog training it up taking her out shooting a duck she was steady she made a great mark on it brought it back and i was like man that's like one of the coolest most fulfilling things ever and so to be able to you know help people get to that is is super fun yeah and with you for starting out training and stuff like that was that just watching a lot of dvds for you or how did you really get into like learning specific drills and stuff like that my mentor mark harefield first of all he would just you know in two ways really helped me one was just I was watching him do all these drills and, and he had a very, I mean, this guy ran AKC field trials with Labradors in the 1980s yeah. when they were not so um, pressure driven. Um, and then he's ran Springer trials. He's retired now. He ran Springer trials and the guy had over 60 Springer Spaniel field champions to his name. So wow. he's accomplished quite a bit. <laughs> and he would show me stuff and, and from a hands-on practical standpoint, that was great because I'd be in the field and watching him and how did why'd you do that how'd you do that but even more importantly he was willing to ask me you know tough questions and really push back when i did something that he thought was just stupid you know (laughs) a lot of like hey you know i would do something and the whole the whole training session would start to fall apart and then mark would say you know hey what are you doing i'd tell him he's like well why why did you do it that way and i'd tell him like well why didn't you do it this way? And I was like, oh man, that's actually really smart. <laughs> I definitely should have done it that way. So it was like two years of that, you know? Yeah. Um, and, and then really, uh, I, don't, I think everyone can learn to train dogs um, for sure. Yeah. Uh, some people like just gravitate toward dogs and there's a, um, there is a, you know, I've always been able to just connect with dogs. Um, Mm -hmm. I wasn't, you know, I learned a lot from Mark, but um, there are, and I'm, I'm definitely not the best dog trainer out there. There's a lot of guys, including several who work for Southern Oak Kennels who are significantly more talented than I am. But knowing how to read a dog is something you can be taught, but it's also something that I think a lot of people just sort of do. Yeah. And, um, I just loved dogs. I think a big part of it, man, was my dad didn't, we didn't have any dogs when I was a little kid. Mm. And I always like begged for a dog. And so when we finally got dogs, when I was like, you know, old, a preteen, I was obsessed with it. I was like, I'm doing everything I can to train this dog. So I've always just sort of been like, I want to be a dog guy. Yeah. Um, so yeah, that and hands on and learning from my mistakes. I mean, there's definitely like, if there's, if my training sessions the first three years of, of my career were recorded it would be like excruciating to watch you know <laughs> God, what are you doing you know i think that's a lot of it just trial and error and uh 
Yeah, figuring out how to go from where you are and, and really, I think, learning to train the dog that's right in front of you and not some idea of what the dog should be that's right in front of you. Yeah, absolutely. And I wanted to uh, dig into a little bit about, I mean, because when you're running Southern Oak Kennels, like, it's somebody's going to be somebody's pet, somebody's family member, whatever it is. It's very emotional. Um, very emotional thing for a lot of people, I feel like. And uh, how do you make, like, the experience for people saying, hey, I want to come get a Southern Oak Kennels dog. I mean, your guys' following is unbelievable. And how did you really get that started for that aspect? I mean, because, like, you can go take guys on guided trips or anything for hunts, and that's a whole different thing. Um, but you just have, like, a really emotional category that you guys are running sure. in. Yeah, for sure. It's, it's, it's strange because it's not... Um, I tell people that work here and work sort of underneath the Southern Oak umbrella all the time. Like, hey, we're not selling hats and shoes, yeah. you know? We can't just say, hey, have a good one, see you later, let us know we want another one of these. Um, so, yeah, it's... it's uh, some trial and error and then a lot of just being careful um there's never really been a time in southern oak kennels history where we had puppies that like we were struggling to sell or we like felt like we had to sell yeah so we've always been able to be careful you know like where you know where's this puppy going and are we comfortable and we've had a handful of occasions where people have come to pick up a puppy and we just said nah sorry yeah <laughs> don't think this is a good fit um not a lot usually we do that the research on the front end but yeah. every once in a while you know um so i'd say a couple things have really helped with us number one is we, we have a pretty you know we have an application process we want to know about people before yeah. we're willing to send them a dog. Number two is we, um, we've built this into more of a community. And I think that comes more from my time uh, working in the church uh, than anything else. My, mm. I was a student pastor and discipleship pastor. And my job was kind of to build community, uh, yeah. to create community around a certain thing. Well, like when it came to dogs, that was extremely easy because who doesn't love dogs you know what yeah. i mean it's like if, if you're going to sit around and, and talk about stuff with your buddies you know your favorite sports team and hunting and your dog you know like those are the subjects that come up mm. in your kids so early on i had uh, some friends kind of i was i was in that like maybe i should have a newsletter i don't know you know like i i was I don't have a business degree. I had to learn all the business side of it and the marketing side of it just sort of on my own. Yeah. And I was I was thinking about a newsletter and a friend of mine was like, man, you should just do like a community Facebook group. So I did that very early and I created this community via Facebook through the Southern Oak Kennel Society where we could kind of just, um, you know, enhance relationships with one another, um, sort of set the narrative on who we were keep up with litters you know like it, it'll be a post in there all the time like hey everybody's got the hank and cali pups how are they doing and everyone will comment the picture updates and all that so yeah creating that community really helps to balance out what i wanted which was more than just sending the dog home and giving you a pat on the back and saying have a good one with this dog you know good luck I wanted it to be like hey when you get a dog from us you're joining sort of our family yeah and uh yeah, I think that 
that all happened at the right time for us and in the right way for us and it's, we've been able to keep it going which has been awesome yeah my because uh, I was talking to my mentor I mean he's been everything to me for duck hunting and whatnot and he actually picked up a dog from you guys I think over the summer maybe was from the cedar and Maggie uh, two litter yeah and uh, you just kept raving about the experience that you guys had down there um, going yeah, to pick up the dog yeah. and going to meet you it's guys definitely in uh, it's definitely when I mean, we we've, we've constantly tried to improve that for everyone um, I mean the day you bring home your new puppy for us it can be very uh, like it, it can become very just normal you know what I mean like oh yeah no litter's going home yeah um, but for most people you got to remember it's a huge deal and uh, taking a new dog home is like this you know 10 to 15 year journey you're sort of embarking on so we want to make it fun for everyone um which which guy is that who was that they got the pup dan brandle i'm trying to remember which litter that was the cedar maggie too yeah awesome yeah that was fun so that was back in september or so when they picked him up yeah um yeah that's great it was uh it's always fun having folks here and and we try to make it you know uh, an event as much as possible and that's been tough with covid Um, yeah but we've we've been able to get it done and we've actually got that going on this saturday we've got pups going on this saturday so exciting we'll have the the crew here meet the parents and take photos and eat breakfast and see the place and all that stuff yeah that's awesome how has covid affected you guys all this um you know i tell people like 2020 was like the best year of my life that i feel like i simultaneously can't really celebrate because it's been so tough for so many other people um i think a lot of people have been working from home and they're like man i'd love to have a dog here Mm -hmm. and uh so that's like significantly increase the demand for lots of outdoor stuff dogs you know all hunting gear rvs boats like just yeah things that people want to do in their free time you know there's a category of people who realize i'm going to be working from home indefinitely yeah um simultaneously we've had a couple difficulties like puppy pickup day is tough because we can't just say hey the game's all here everybody come on we had to cancel our our southern kennel summit which was one of the first big events I saw canceled. It was a very difficult decision to make. It was yeah. supposed to be last year in, in uh, early April. So you can imagine in March, everybody's like, well, yeah, two weeks, flatten the curve. Yeah. And I was like, well, should we cancel it or keep it? You know, it was tough to, to make those decisions. Um, and then I think we're seeing a lot of puppies come back in for training right now that aren't as well socialized as we would like. Um, uh-huh. And part of that is they just haven't been able to go and do what they would normally do because of COVID. Mm-hmm. So, yeah. Other than that, though, it's been good. We've, we've, I'm fortunate, you know. For Cornerstone, it's it's great. Like, yeah. we were on the internet as a company, as a digital learning experience, and a way for people to get out and enjoy the great outdoors. So I don't know how else you could have been better set up for a worldwide pandemic that forced people to be at home, spend time with their immediate family and try to find new ways to get outdoors without being in a crowd. Like that's pretty much the best way you could do it. So Cornerstone was, I think already where like when COVID hit, everybody was like, man, we need need to get there. And we were already there. Um, Yeah. 
so that was a blessing but yeah i mean it's now it's trying to figure out what's what is normal going to be you know are we going back to to anything you know what's what, what's going to happen here so we'll see yeah I hear it because I've, I mean, all the guide buddies that I've been talking to and whatnot, um, I mean, people just want to get outside and like, that's all it is right now. And with Cornerstone, that's a great opportunity just to go, hey, you get a new puppy, let's go run it outside. I can work from home. I can take calls while I'm running my dog or whatever it is. And uh, I think that really people want to take advantage of that. Yeah, I definitely agree. It's, you know. It's good. It's good. It's hard to, you know, you know, I don't want to discount that, you know, I've got friends here who've lost loved ones to COVID. Yeah. I've got a local guy that we all knew who died two weeks ago from COVID. Yeah. Um, it's not one of those things where I wanted to say, oh, yeah, it's been great for us. And, yeah. You know, it's a serious deal. But at the same time, it's, you know, you have to make adjustments and life has to keep moving and you got to figure out how that works. And, and we've been able to do that. Um, over the last year where I think we're in a pretty good spot now. Yeah, absolutely. And I wanna, um, so with Southern Oak Kennels, with Cornerstone Dung Dogs, um, and this journey that you've been on, what are some of the, like, what's some of the cases that you've struggled with or something that you've came over um, that you've had to deal with during, during just this journey that you've been on? Man, there's been, there've been a handful of them, you know, I mean, I would say for, for Southern Oak Kennels especially, you know, there are moments where just stuff happens and you lose a dog, a uh, dog dies from whatever it might be, uh, you know, younger than you expected or, you know, you think you're excited about this litter of puppies and something happens, a sickness comes in or something and you lose a couple of them, you know. Yeah. It's, it's, it's always a harsh realization that you're not, again, selling hats and t-shirts. Yeah. Um, these dogs are very much a part of your life and, and it's definitely some heavy moments where you realize you know you've brought these these dogs either overseas to your place or you've brought them into the world you know obviously I'm not the creator of dogs but you know we decided that this litter would take place and, and we thought it'd be a good idea yeah uh, it doesn't go as planned that sort of stuff is always really tough um, it's it's hard you have to you have to really focus on the people who do have your dogs who are happy who are loving it and the dogs that are loving life to, to get through some of those those moments uh, for sure um, and then just honestly balancing it you know I'm, I've got three kids 10 and under um, <laughs> I'm yeah. a family guy first and foremost so I think the last few years one of the biggest things for me has been you know I did in some ways put business first and rushed through a lot of the family stuff like putting kids to bed it was like how soon can I do this because I got to get to emails and yeah um, the last few years has been a big transition for me from you know Southern Oak or Cornerstone being the main thing and, and really realizing those are just some super cool avenues that I have to get to do the main thing which is raise my family and um you know, that's tough to do. It's easy to get consumed in your work, whatever that might be. And it's especially easy with my job. I mean, I spent the last two and a half, three months traveling all over the country, shooting ducks in like seven states. Yeah. You know, it's, <laughs> it's easier to not take a kid on those trips. And it's, you know, but 
now it's like, man, the, the main deal at the end of it all, I'm probably not going to be remembered for Southern Oak Kennels by very many people, you know. Uh, eventually, I'm just going to be some guy that sold someone a dog way back or like, hey, my dad used to get dogs from this guy, but he's gone yeah. <laughs> and we've moved on. Uh, but I will be remembered by my kids and their kids for how, you know, how I have raised my family. So that's been a struggle to get to there and it's a struggle every day to stay there but it's, yeah. it's one that's worthwhile for sure is uh, just really focusing on my kids and my wife and staying healthy and uh, you know physically mentally emotionally healthy and, and all that that's uh, it's definitely a challenge yeah absolutely yeah how many kids do you have three kids ten eight uh, well, almost eight and six um yeah, and they're getting into the, the outdoors and hunting, and we, we love to, you know, boat, and my yeah. kids are big into wakeboarding and all that stuff, and we, uh, yeah, we definitely love being outside, and they're my puppy socializers, they work for cheap, which is nice, <laughs> so, yeah, it's, it's definitely, definitely busy. In fact, I rang, I mean, we, we scheduled this podcast, I, I was looking at my calendar and I was like, yeah, I'm going to let Bethany sleep in this morning and I'm going to run carpool and I get back just in time. I mean, I walked in the office five minutes before you called. So yeah, and, uh, I'll work in the office until after lunch and then I'll go run carpool again and swim team, jujitsu, oh. all that, man. It's, uh, it's just a lot. It's super fun though. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. I mean, three kids under 10, there's a lot going on in your house. A ton, a ton. Three kids under ten. I got two litters of pups on the ground, and we've got my twenty-ish dogs here. And then Wally is down here from SOP North. Yeah, uh, and he's got I think twenty dogs with him right now. So, oh wow, uh, we're we're loaded up. It's it's uh, it's a madhouse over here, but it's fun, really fun. Yeah, and how? Um, so you're talking about SOK North, which is in Michigan, correct? That's right. Yeah, Athens, Michigan. Yeah, and so how did that all get started? Um, just by opening that. Yeah, up? man, that's. Um, I'll talk about this as much as I think maybe we should. We're, we're actually in the process of revamping, you know, how, kind of how the world sees us online, and yeah. uh, we're going to make this a little bit more clear. But I just was. I went to some kennels, and I don't think anything was wrong with the kennels I visited, except I just was uncomfortable with how many dogs they had mm. um, and not because I think they were doing it wrong it just made me I was like man I'm, I'm overwhelmed and, mm-hmm. uh, and so I just sort of set out and I was like you know I'm, I'm, all these people in business are like hey how are you going to scale this thing how are you going to grow I mean the typical guy is like I got 12 to 20 dogs in training I produce 2 to 3 litters a year and I never stop working and I was like I don't want to do that um, Yeah. I don't want to just be a slave to, to my business to where I can't go on vacation I can't enjoy Christmas with my family mm-hmm. um, so I just decided what I'd rather do is support some other guys who were doing the same thing I was doing and were like-minded. And at first it was literally just supporting them. So the first ones were Don and Wally up at SOK North. They had a kennel called Beyond Basic Retrievers. They had a few female Labradors they bought from me. They passed all their health tests. They were gonna produce a litter and they used my stud dog, Max. And all these people were calling me and they were like, you got any black males, got any black females? And I said, no, I don't. But I know these guys up in Michigan and they have a litter 
and people were like, well, I really want to wait and get one for you, from, from you guys. And I was like, I don't think you understand. Like, this is the same litter I would have. Like, it's, it's my bloodline, it's my stud dog. I know they're raising these puppies, you know, in a great way. Yeah. And uh, after doing that a few times, and then, and then they had Hank, and he passed all his health tests. And I was like, I'd actually like to use him as a stud dog. Um, he got his HRCH at a young age, and I just eventually called those guys and I said, "Hey, I think it would make a lot more sense if, if we were together. You know, if, if your kennel looks like my kennel, just twelve hours north of me." Yeah. So that was the first one, kind of the decision maker for having. Uh, we have campuses and outposts, um, and the outposts are smaller. It's like a guy who has a full time career, but works with us, trains a few dogs at a time, has one, maybe two litters a year, that sort of thing. And then we have campuses, which are like here and north and, and east. Yeah. Um, so yeah, eight locations right now. And we're not like looking to expand those necessarily. We probably will, but it's not something, you know, if you're listening to this, don't message us and ask how you can open a campus. We're not interested in, in expanding that way. All yeah. of it's organic. So everyone that we work with is people that we've hunted with, we've become friends with. We've trained dogs in them enough to know that they align with us on a training philosophy. Uh, they align with us on a breeding and pedigree standpoint. Um, and they have the resources necessary to run a kennel the way that we want to run a kennel. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. I just, I like the family owned, family operated style much more than the big. So we've had a lot of people like accuse us of being a huge commercial kennel. And I'm like, have you ever been to any of our places? Like my kids are letting our dogs out. You know what I mean? We, we know every single dog's name all the time on this property. And, and they can be running through the field in the middle of the night. And I can point out every dog and tell you, that's that one, that's that one, that's that one. And I prefer for it to be that way, just smaller and, and a little bit more intimate. Yeah, absolutely. And uh, yeah, so like, what do you... What are some goals that you have for Southern Oak Kennels that you're trying to um, see in the future, trying to get done that you haven't done yet or something that around those lines? Just world domination. Man, yeah. we're just, <laughs> <laughs> we're, man, we're, we're like at this point now where it's really just cleaning up uh, for us the process even more. We want the process of someone, you know, a lot of people nowadays are like, I think I want a Labrador. Yeah. And they get on the internet and they start this search um, for the ones that happen to find us we want that process to be really smooth and really thorough where they know this is exactly where I want to get a dog from this is the decision I'm making and, and they enjoy the process all the way through so we're trying to do that while simultaneously you know improving on the health and the trainability and the overall experience of owning these dogs um, so the goal has never really changed for us. It's just always been sharpening it a little bit more each yeah. year as we go forward. Um, and then one goal we do have is sharing the stories that we've that we've built, the relationships that we've made over the last few years. You know, we're we're in the process of of getting out there and we're about to be releasing some pretty cool stuff to share those stories in such a way that I hope encourages. Um, the next generation of gun dog owner and, and you know waterfowl chaser to um, do it the right way and to get involved and to support conservation and uh, you know to have the right mindset on what hunting is what it isn't and what we have to do to preserve it yeah absolutely 
Absolutely. And another one I wanted to ask you about, which I feel like a lot of people um, want to know, is how how do you pick out a puppy um, when you're looking for your family member and you're trying to decide, okay, well, what's the, what's the difference between a male or a female? What's going to maybe run better or just be a better family dog or whatever it is? Um, just kind of how do you pick out a puppy and how do you look at it um, yeah. when you're doing that? Well, there are a few choices you have to make early on, at least with us, and that is, do you want a male or female, and are you particular about a color? Yeah. We do black and yellow, and yellow can range from, you know, light yellow to dark red. Yeah. And so, once you make those decisions, I mean, the male-female thing is is really just a preference. Males are going to be a little bigger most of the time. From a trainability standpoint, a drive standpoint, there aren't any differences. You know, there's people that will say, you know, females are softer than males. And, you know, for every softer female you show me, I can show you a softer male. There's always as many exceptions as there are rule followers on that. Yeah. So that's really just a preference. You know, do I want to? And I tell people just go with your gut on that kind of thing. Mm-hmm. Um, my answer to how you pick a puppy is probably one of the most disappointing answers ever. It's just pick pick the parents and snag a puppy um there's so i mean there's so many personality tests and this and that and i've just seen over the years my mentor used to tell me that he would say i in fact my first dog maggie the one that's she's in the house now retired yeah um i was supposed to be first pick and i was excited about that and he called me he was like hey the other guys were able to come a few days early so i've got you a female here and I was like, wait, I was first pick. And he was like, well, you picked the litter. I just grabbed one, made sure it was female. And yeah. she's the best dog I've ever owned. And so, like it, <laughs> I was furious. So I was like, I was supposed to be able to look at these three females and decide which one I wanted. And now I'm like, oh yeah, he was totally right. But yeah. It's like walking into your church nursery of like two to three year olds and try to figure out what sort of career they're gonna have. You yeah. know, it's just not, it, it's pick the genetics that you want. You know, that's the best thing you can do. Mm-hmm. Are the parents what I want? And then from there, just make the gun dog that you want. You know what I mean? You've yeah. got the genetics there. Now, there's always curveballs. You know, there's always stuff that comes up that you didn't expect. Um, it's nature, you can't control it. Um, but you can definitely stack the odds in your favor. So I just tell people, pick the litter that you think is gonna be the best fit. We're here to help you do that. Our application process is all about that. Like, we have people all the time that are like, hey, I really want a puppy out of your dog, Red. All right, you know, tell me about your life. Well, we hunt like four or five times a year. Our dog goes to the office with us and sleeps on the couch. And, you know, we really want one that's super calm. And we're like, all right, well, you're not getting one out of out of our dog, Red. <laughs> and based on looking at our website, that's what they want, you know, because yeah. they like his pictures and they like how flashy he is. And we're just, we know this is not going to be a good fit. It's going to end poorly. Yeah. So we just try to figure out what litter is a good match for you. You know, if you're calling, you say, hey, I'm a waterfall guy and I work in, you know, the Midwest and obviously I'm in the field 90 days a year, but I also want my dog at the front seat scouting. Like, all right, we got three or four options to make that work, you know, and, and then we go from there. Yeah, absolutely. And when you're looking at um, the parents, what do you really look for in like just a good all around waterfall dog? 
Like, man, I have a few things that I love. I like dogs that do have a lot of drive. Yeah. Um, I think in the in the British lab world, there was a time period where people were importing dogs that were cold dogs. Um, and that's me not calling any names out at all, but yeah. just that's how it was for a long time before and right when I got into it. And that became apparent to me when I went over to the UK and I was like, dang, these dogs are going way harder than some of the dogs I see back home that are British. And mm-hmm. it kind of created a bad name for British dogs. Um, I like dogs that have an astronomical amount of drive, uh, but are able to really turn that off. So you gotta have sort of the Jekyll and Hyde. Yeah. You know, you're one, one type of dog in the field, one type of dog in the house. Um, but beyond that, just trainability, um, quiet. I do like good looks. I mean, I used to make a joke all the time. Life's too short to have ugly dogs. <laughs> um, you know, just I like a dog that has a nice square shape, that they have good ear set, their head is squared up, their shoulders are broad, they're not, you know, scrawny and snippy, and they're also not built like a, you know, a wine barrel. Yeah. Um, so health-wise is important to look at you know behind your hips and elbows checked out or the eyes clear dna test done um just doing your due diligence there to make sure you're setting yourself up for success um as best you can and then uh beyond that just i i really only breed dogs that i like to be around um like if you're here and I don't like it, it's like this dog just doesn't doesn't do it for us. They don't have the want to or they're not fun to train or they're, you know, annoying around the kennel, like any of that sort of stuff, then why would I want to give someone else that? Yeah. You know? So what we do is find those dogs a great home where they can hunt, they can be a part of someone's family and we, we move on down the line. We don't ever want to feel like we have to breed something just because we have it. Yeah. Absolutely. And how many uh dogs are you breeding right now? How many dogs do you guys usually a year? Man, that'd be tough. I'd have to go look at all the locations. Um, here at my place, it's usually eight to ten litters. Okay. We're set up for four at a time, um, but we rarely have that. And then at North, it's about the same. And then at SOK Saltillo, it's about the same. And then the rest of them are all like two, two litters or some of them maybe one litter this year and like east by eight four yeah it, it's it's 10 or less usually at each location okay um some some years may be up some years may be down you may miss a litter you may you know everyone comes in the heat at once and you decide hey look we gotta skip a bunch of these because we don't want to pile them up yeah that sort of thing so i probably should count that better but you know it's, it's one of those deals where you, you plan for it and it all changes anyway yeah exactly um yeah and then with you running your dogs i mean you were talking about you went to seven states this year um chasing waterfowl and how does that really affect your dogs and what do you kind of like how do you pick a certain dog to bring with you um are you just kind of working with them while it is or do you have people send you dogs that they want you to take on hunts or what do you kind of do for that yeah so we do send out a few dogs with friends to hunt throughout the season especially guides uh at various places we'll send out a couple dogs to pick up birds and have that sort of experience um we had we had dogs at a handful of outfitters this year um like salt plains outfitters we had some dogs at goose creepers we usually have some dogs at five oaks yeah um and then dogs that just hunt with friends like at wild wings vader was there 
Um, for me, I travel with a handful of dogs, usually six to 10, just to kind of get them on the road, get them out. And I typically take my boys with me and then I rotate the girls. Okay. Um, but I hunt with my boys mostly because if, if I go and hunt with a, with one of my girls, now if I'm just hunting with my friends around here, then I'll take one of the girls. Yeah. Um, but if I, if I go out and hunt with the girls and somebody takes a bunch of just banger photos and we post them, then I've got all these people that they're like, Hey, I, I want to have a, I want to have a puppy out of her. Well, she may only have like one litter left, you know? Um, and, uh, and, our girls only have four litters yeah um maybe five i mean in the u.s there's no limit you can have akc will let you register as many litters as you want out of a female to my knowledge Uh, in the the uk you can only do four and Mm. you can write and have special permission given from you know the kennel club if the like veterinarian approved for a fifth litter so that's how we operate we just sort of adopt their guidelines Okay. And so if I promote the girls big time, then people get all crazy about one particular female and they want to think, you know, they want to probably get her and she's, you know, it's, it's harder to make that happen. So the boys are, you know, producing multiple litters a year uh, at multiple locations. So we sort of mostly take the boys out and hunt. Absolutely. And I know uh, we're coming up on time here, so I want to just make sure to wrap things up and you're all good to go. Um, but anything that you wish we would have went over that we could go over quick um that we didn't go over no i mean i've I've enjoyed the conversation and yeah appreciate some good questions and keeping it all going and um it's definitely uh we're switching from you know duck season goose season to training season for us so um anyone out there that's getting into dog training and and getting out in the field and wanting to for me it's awesome because like chasing birds is done until next fall but being in the outdoors and and being you know involved and all that goes on with duck hunting continues because we're training dogs so anyone interested in that definitely encourage you guys to check out cornerstone and uh get out there and, and get training absolutely absolutely barton thank you once again i had a blast talking with you today yeah man thanks for having me i appreciate uh your willingness to have me on and thank you guys for listening and uh hope you guys have a great week all right you have a good one and have a uh, fun training the rest of the season yeah thanks man i appreciate it all right i'll talk to you see ya see ya and that kind of wraps things up today for uh, episode 30 with Barton Ramsey. And we covered a ton of stuff. We're all over the map on, you know, just it is an emotional environment that they're in. It's not like you can go take somebody out on a guided hunt and they're giving somebody a family member. So that's what they're all about. They're all about that experience and uh, showing these people what goes on at their facilities. And so it's just really neat to hear about that. And then as well as some of the trial runs that they we talked about and, you know, if clients want to send dogs with him for hunting purposes and stuff like that, it's very cool that they're able to do that. And with some of the best guys all around the country, that uh, do a really good job with shooting birds. So that was a really fun one. I hope you guys enjoyed it, and uh, on to the next.